I'm Fred. I'm Adrian. And we're, and we're FNA. FNA. If this is your first time here, welcome. Make sure you hit the subscribe button and feel free to drop us a line in the comments and reviews. Because that's what helps us continue to do what we do. And what we're doing here today is new. Yes, it is. It's a new new beginning for FNA. Yes. FNA, what are we going to be doing? We are now cult crimes and conspiracies. Yay. Um, another one of our passions, uh, besides watching a, a whole shit fuck ton of movies and shows, yep. is we also like creepy, paranormal, and crimey, culty type stuff. Yes. Yeah. I'm big time into the paranormal myself. Uh, we got issues. Yeah. <laughs> and we're, we, we kind of decided we're going to start sharing those issues with you. Yes, absolutely. So... Today, we have a crime story. Okay. And after that, you'll be telling us a, a list of... Yeah, I got a list. Yeah, some fun facts. Figured I'd make a list for you guys. Mm-hmm. So. Wow. Let's start with your story. You'll go first. Yeah, I'm going first today. Yay. All right. This is a story of a man named Hodge Muhammad Mesfui. Mesfui. Yes. Okay. Now this took place in the uh, on the African continent, uh, Marrakesh. Okay. And in the beginning of the 1900s, um, there was an epi- epicenter. I guess that's how you say it. Okay. For trading. All right. A lot of people and foreigners would come and go through here, and the crime rate was very, very high. Right. In 1902, ten women went missing. Okay. But it was assumed that foreigners kidnapped them because of all these people coming and going. And by 1906, another 30 women went missing. 30? 30. Wow. Now the authorities, they were starting to catch on to this and, you know, people were starting to ask questions, you know, why are all these women just vanished? What the hell's going on? Okay. By April 1906... I'm intrigued, by the way. (laughs) By April in 1906, one of the last women who went missing, she was traced back to a man named Hodge Muhammad Mesfui. Okay. He was a known cobbler, and he was in his... Shoemaker. Yeah, shoemaker. Okay. He was in his 70s, an older guy, uh, very quiet, kept to himself... He was a shoemaker by trade, but mm-hmm. he also was known as a public letter writer. Okay. And what that was is it was people that basically knew how to write well. Well, yeah, back in those days, you didn't have a lot of people that were literate, mm-hmm. you know, that could read read and write. But yeah. there were a select few, and those people were usually chosen to be the town's uh, letter writer. Yes. And they, they were basically kind of a notary uh, any type of legal documents or even personal letters that they need written because they couldn't write them themselves, yes. they would go to such person. Yeah. He would help write legal documents to colonial, colonial authorities as oh. well. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this last uh, girl that went missing that she was traced back to, apparently she knew this woman who lived with Mesfui. Her name was Rahali, but... Everybody knew her as Anna. Okay. She was also in her 70s as well. Hmm. Well, the authorities 
got this tip from the missing girl's parents. They, for some, it's unknown, but they knew that this girl was going to Miss Fuey's house. The authorities were told about this. They went and investigated. And when they investigated the property, they found 20 decapitated bodies buried in his garden out back and under his home. Holy cow. Yes. Wow. Yeah. You said this guy was in his 70s. In his 70s. So he must have been at this for a while then, huh? Mm-hmm. So Masfui and Anna were both brought in for questioning. And, of course, for a while they didn't say anything during their interrogation. Okay. Eventually, Anna slipped and said something suspicious, so they began torturing her. Okay. Just going buck wild on her, I guess. And she confessed eventually and told them that she and uh, Masfui did it. And their motive was money and the thrill of the kill. Okay. She, and she was his helper. Yes. Okay. Yeah. She, what she did, what she told uh, the authorities in her confession, she would find these young girls in town who needed a public letter writer. Okay. And she would bring them back to her and Miss Fuey's house, and he would give the girls a glass of wine, you know, just trying to relax them. And, right. and a lot of times they would offer them dinner, too. Of course. But little did these women know that the wine and the food as well was laced with drugs. Okay. It was like they were roofied. Of course. So when they were unconscious, that's when Miss Fuey would drag them out back decapitate them, hmm. steal all their belongings, and then bury the heads and the bodies in the yard. Wow. Yes. He didn't mess around. No. Did in, he now sorry. Did, did did he did he do anything sexual to these women? Uh it's not known. Okay. It, yeah, they, they never said anything in the research that I you know. Uh in total thirty six women were killed. That's sick. Yeah. Very sick. Anna, when she was being questioning or questioning, um, she was actually tortured to death by the authorities. So she's now gone out of the picture. Yeah, they, uh, the, their, their style of torture in those days was very rough. Yeah. And I mean, it wasn't so much, you know, innocent until proven guilty. If they, if someone was uh, accused of something, mm -hmm. they would torture them until they were told what they wanted to hear, whether they were in on it or not. Yes. It was pretty brutal. Yeah. Well, the citizens of the town found out about this, and they were outraged. They wanted Masfui to suffer and just, you know, pay for his crimes. Hmm. So Masfui was first sentenced to um, crucifixion, died by being crucified like oh, Christ was. Okay. But foreign officials denied this and said no because it was too cruel and inhumane. Now, that region of, that region of the country, I think, was uh, under control by France, I believe. Yes. Right? Yes. Okay. Yep, absolutely. So instead, they came up with another way to punish him. Because they wanted Masfui to suffer, they would take him on daily trips to the market okay. in town. This started on May 15th, 1906. And what they would do is they would take him down to the market and parade him down the streets, 
and they would whip whip him with thorny acacia branches. Oh my! Yeah, if if you guys listening would look up pictures of Above acacia, the acacia, these thorns were oh my gosh, so long, like. That was, that was the picture you showed me you when you were yep. doing the research for this. You were like, check out this bush. Yeah, it was insane. Yeah, disgusting. Yeah, so the guards would strip him his of his clothes down to his waist. Okay. So his just his shirt would be off, and they would hold his arms out. Then they would give him 10 strokes or whips every day. With that thorny branch. With the thorny branch, yes. And, and that was better than being crucified? Apparently, yeah. So, I think I'd take the crucifixion. Yeah, yeah. Well, Miss Fuey, he would cry out in you know agony of and course. would beg for either the guards or townspeople uh, just to kill him. Okay, because he just couldn't take this torture anymore. After he would get these ten lashes, they would take him back to the jail that he was at, and they would apply a healing ointment. And this punishment of being whipped and then healed. Whipped, then healed. This went on for about a month and a half. Dear God. Mm-hmm. Every day. So eventually. I, I got I to gotta keep telling myself this dude killed 30-some women. Yeah. Because I'm starting to feel bad for him. I know. Right? But this guy was sick. He was decapitating women. Yeah. Stealing their belongings. Right. And, yeah. Yeah, fuck their belongings. He was murdering innocent women. Yeah. And it, he was a murderer. He was a murderer. He was a murderer. He was a murderer. Yeah, he didn't he have no remorse. Okay. Well, eventually. Right. He's yeah. a bad guy. Got yeah. it. Go. <laughs> eventually, from all these lashes every day and being healed, <clears throat> excuse me, Mesfui had developed scar tissue. Uh, so, yeah. So the pain and the torture wasn't so bad anymore. Okay. The guards would notice whenever they would be whipping him and everything. He wasn't crying so much. Oh, he wasn't. I'm you know, sure pleading. he had some severe nerve damage. Oh, absolutely. Think about it. I mean, all that scar tissue too. Mm, it's right? like numb. Oh yeah. You know, you become His numb. Back to would it. be leather. Yep. So authorities noticed this, and they ended the whippings and decided no more of this because he's not suffering anymore. So we need to come up with a different way to punish him for these crimes, and we need him to suffer. The townspeople, you know, said, whatever you do, make sure that this guy is tortured. Okay. So they came up. And this has been going on for over a month and a half. Over a month and a half, yes. So they came up with the idea. He's a bad guy, Fred. Mm -hmm. Bad guy. Just wait. (laughs) They came up with the idea of something called immurement. I know what immurement is. Go ahead. Okay. Immurement is being bricked up alive inside of a wall. Oh. Yeah. Oh, God. Yep. Oh, God. On June 11th, 1906, this Uh was on a Monday, he was brought to the town square, and thousands of people came to witness this. The jailers actually carved out a space in the wall just big enough for a man his size to stand up in. So... He had no idea what was going on whenever they were dragging him to the town square. He just figured, you know, uh, they're going to whip me again or something. Yeah. As soon as he saw the hole, he started freaking out and was basically like trying to plead with the guards and get away. Oh, my God. I'd try, I'd try and off myself yeah. immediately. Yeah. 
Because I think he had an idea what he was in for. Absolutely. So they dragged him in and they chained his arms right. and his legs so that he had to stand up. He couldn't sit or anything. And that was common with this practice. Mm-hmm. So they started to wall him up. So he, as they're walling him up, the townspeople were cheering and, you know, and he was crying out and they were throwing actual feces mm-hmm. at him as well. Like as they were bricking him or, up. Yeah, like horse poop oh. and cow poop and all that stuff. So eventually they walled him up. So just his face was exposed. Nothing else. Right. So even with his face just exposed, townspeople are still throwing poop and shit at him. Well, Shit is poop. <laughs> yeah. Poop and shit. <laughs> and other items as well, like uh, tomatoes and bricks and stones. And tomatoes and bricks. Yeah, all kinds of shit. I think that's what we're going to call this episode. Tomatoes, tomatoes and, and bricks. bricks. <laughs> well, later that day, they ended up walling his face up. So oh, he was completely God. walled up. Couldn't see him, but you could hear him. Right. Because the citizens would say that they could hear his muffled cries throughout the day and night. Now, it, it's been known for, uh, I don't know about this case, but in other cases of, of immurement where they brick people up, mm-hmm. uh, people have been known to live for up to two weeks inside yes. these walled-in spaces and slowly dying of lack of oxygen, uh, starvation, and dehydration. Yes, absolutely. I was actually going to point that out okay uh, yeah i didn't how long did he last well the first two days his cries and his screams were being heard but by the third day he started getting real silent okay like um on june 13th 1906 miss fuey died they concluded that he must have died from dehydration starvation but most likely suffocation Okay. They believe. They, they bricked him up tight. Oh, yeah. Many of the citizens were outraged. They were angry because he died too quickly. Yeah. He only died three days later. I, I, they wanted him to suffer longer because the authorities came up with this punishment because, right. yes, they knew that people that were, you know, they wanted punished justice. to immurement would survive at this least for a week or two. Er, early 1900s. Justice. Yes, yes. Uh, so, yeah, the citizens, they were pissed off. They felt that they didn't get their justice. I, the women didn't get their justice. The I tell you, personally victims. myself, I think the guy, I think justice was served. Yes. Personally myself. I do as well. Um, I'm very curious to, to know what our listeners think. Yes. If you want to let us know in the comments. Um, we're also on Twitter and Facebook. And we'll be back on YouTube eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, let us know. What do you think? Do you think he, he got what he deserved? Do you think it should have lasted longer? Yeah. Honestly, I mean, it's like part of me thinks, yeah, maybe. Nah, I think he got what he deserved. Month and a half. A month and a half of whipping, you know, being whipped and then being buried alive. And those branches look Brutal. They look very The acacia branch? Yeah. Oh, my God. It just looks absolutely terrifying. Yes. But the fact that you're being walled up alive, that's, that's, you're (laughs) you're suffering. Yeah. Plain and simple, you are suffering. 
I, that'd be a terrible way to go. Yeah. I mean, because I mean, you can't, you, you get, it's a lack of sleep too. Yeah. Um, because like you had said, they walled him up in a position to where he, he was standing. Yeah. He couldn't there lay was down. no possible way for him to get into a comfortable position. Yeah. He couldn't move. No. So that was the story of Hodge Muhammad Mesfui, the serial killer of Marrakesh. Oh, dear Lord. Mm hmm. And. Oh. Immurement. Any immurement. <laughs> yep. What a way. Yeah. What a way to go, immurement. Oh. I'm so glad that that is not a common practice anymore. Yeah. Not that I do anything that, that you know, that yeah. would put me in that situation. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to watch people go through that. Even that. Yeah. yeah. Like, I couldn't, I, I can't imagine a society that is so open to, to, such an inhumane thing to do. Yeah, even they, though he did do pretty terrible things. Well, just like I said in the story, they thought crucifixion was too inhumane, mm. and this is better. Yeah, exactly. Like I don't think so. Right. Jeez. Well, well what's uh, your list? I, I got I got a list for you. Here, All right. here is going. To, this is going to be the top thirteen strange deaths. Ways to die. Yes. Now, I got most of this information from BuzzFeed and Wikipedia. Okay. Um, I had seen a list in a BuzzFeed article, and I kind of picked my... It was like 30-some different ways, and I picked my favorites out of them. Okay. And uh, embellished on a few of them. So, (laughs) here we go. Number one, 62-year-old British millionaire and owner of Segway... Jimmy Helzadin died in 2010 when he drove his Segway off of a cliff into a river. So the creator of the Segway. Well, he wasn't the creator. Oh, okay. But, owner. But he was the owner of the company. He, okay. And this is the guy that purchased the company of Segway. And he was a Segway enthusiast. <laughs> he loved riding them. But he drove. How ironic yeah. is he drove one off a cliff into a river. Oh, God. Number two. On July 9th of 1993... Canadian lawyer Gary Hoy died when he fell from the 24th floor of the Toronto Dominion Center building. Oh, God. Okay. He was trying to demonstrate to a group of students that his windows were unbreakable. So he threw himself against the window. Now, the the window itself didn't break, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but the frame holding the window did. And he fell to his death. Oh, God. So he was trying to tell these, like, look, my windows don't break. And he threw himself up against them. Well, the window didn't break. Yeah, the window didn't break. But the frame popped out. That's, oh. <laughs> God. <laughs> Number about being dumb. Dumb. Yeah. Uh, I, I actually believe when I was looking at this one that the, the uh, Gary Hoy won a Darwin Award, which is an award you get for stupid things. Oh, God. Uh, number three, on June 4th of 1923, 22-year-old Frank Hayes won a horse race at Belmont Park Racetrack in New York State. He was riding a 20-to-1 outsider horse called Sweet Kiss and had never never won a race before. In the latter part of the race, Frank suffered a major heart attack and died but remained on the saddle as Sweet Kiss crossed the finish line by a head. Oh, my God. Frank Hayes became the first and only person to ever win a horse race while dead. (laughs) Poor guy. You know, know. and the fact that he had never won a race before, 
just kind of just kind of drives it home a little he, bit. He technically did, but he just wasn't there to enjoy it. Right. He was looking down, enjoying it, but hey, yeah. Number four. In 1951, Edward Harrison was playing a round of golf at Inglewood in Kenmore, Washington. When the shaft of his driver broke and pierced his groin, he staggered about 100 yards before collapsing and bleeding to death. Oh. So it must have hit that. that what's or, Is that the femoral artery? Femoral. Femoral artery? That, yeah, that runs along order, your yep. groin. Mm-hmm. So the shaft of his driver punctured that, and uh, if, if you puncture that, you're geez. done. You'll bleed out. Oh quick. yeah, oh yeah. If you hit an artery, you're screwed. <laughs> Number five, Frank Reichelt of Austria uh, of an Austrian-born French tailor, inventor, and parachuting pioneer, now sometimes referred to as the Flying Tailor who is remembered for jumping to his death from the Eiffel Tower while testing a wearable parachute of his own design. Reichelt felt uh, had become fixated on developing a suit for aviators that would convert into a parachute and allow them to survive a fall should they be forced to to leave their aircraft in (sighs) midair. Initial uh, experiments conducted with dummies dropped from the fifth floor of his apartment building, had been successful. Oh, jeez. But he was unable to replicate those early successes with any of his subsequent subsequent designs. Jesus. (laughs) Subsequent. Subsequent. There you go. (laughs) Believing that a suitably high-test platform would prove his invention's efficiency... Reichel repeatedly petitioned the Parisian prefecture of police for permission to conduct a test from the Eiffel Tower. He finally received uh, permission in 1912, but when he arrived at the tower on the 4th of February, he made it clear that he intended to jump personally rather than conduct the experiment with dummies. Well, he was a dummy. Then. Now, despite <laughs> repeated attempts to dissuade him, he jumped from the first platform of the tower wearing his invention. The parachute failed to deploy, and he plummeted 57 meters, which is about 187 feet, uh. to his death. The next day, the newspapers were full of illustrated stories about the death of the reckless inventor, and the jump was shown in the newsreels. Oh, Wow. So he 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 had a couple you know successful attempts mm-hmm. from the fifth floor of an apartment. Yeah, and then he's like he couldn't get it to do it again, and he was thinking, well, maybe if I get a higher platform, I'll have more space for the you know the wind to catch the parachute and allow it, it to open. It yeah, he'll have more time. But instead of running a few you know tests first with, with the dummies. dummies. He it, he didn't do that. He just ran up there and jumped off, and it didn't work. And yeah, now he's, he's a, dead. He's a dummy. Jeez. Number six. British actor Gareth Jones died of a heart attack while performing in a live televised play in 1958, in which his character was scripted to have a heart attack. The rest of the cast improvised around his death and finished the play. So he actually died from a heart attack. Yes. Wow. Ain't that wild. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, number seven. Okay. In 
Okay. Carl Wilhelm Scheele was a br- brilliant Swedish chemist who had an unwise habit of tasting all the chemicals he discovered. He died in 1786 because of his heavy exposure to lead, hydrofluoric acid, arsenic, and various other poisons. God! So this dummy was tasting everything he meant. Yeah! He made in the chemistry lab. What a freaking idiot! That was pretty bad. Yeah. Number eight. Health fanatic Basil Brown managed to kill himself by drinking a gallon of carrot juice a day in the belief (laughs) that would make him healthy. Oh, the irony. Now, hold on. I looked in on this a little bit, and this has been argued to be false. Really? Yes. But uh, with some saying that it is impossible to die from carrots, but there are other reports of him being on high doses of supplements at this time. Okay. And they're thinking that that could have resulted in his death. Yeah, you can actually get sick. From taking too many vitamins. Yeah, he was on... an overdose on vitamins. He was on a whole bunch of different types of supplements because he was a health nut. Yep. And on high doses, and he just had too much. Oh, yeah. Wow. Number nine. In 1992, Greg Austin Gingrich died in the Grand Canyon after jokingly pretending to fall to his death, then losing his footing and falling to his death. Oh, jeez. Now, it was reported that he had climbed on top of a handrail Mm -hmm. and began swinging his arms about like he was falling. Okay. And he was doing this to scare his daughter that was nearby. Oh. Then he lost his balance and fell, and I guess his daughter kind of was like, okay, whatever, because he didn't see the spot where he fell. Oh, no. So, and it took uh, rescuers, I think, over four hours to reach where his body had landed. Oh, God. Now, I say this all the time. Just don't put yourself in a situation for things to go bad. Yeah. Don't do stupid stuff. And stupid things won't happen. And you all die stupid ways. Yep. Number 10. Now, forgive me, I am about to butcher some names. (laughs) Queen Sanada Kumariatana of Siam, which is now Thailand. Okay. 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 Uh, drowned in 1880 in full view of many of her subjects because they were for- forbidden to touch her, so they couldn't rescue her. That is stupid. There is there is an often repeated myth that many witnesses to the accident did not dare to touch the queen because of a capital offense, not even to save her life. However, this was not the case. The King's Diaries records show that the boatman the boatman dived into the water, pulled the queen and her daughter from the entangled curtains, and carried them to another boat, where the attendants worked in vain to resuscitate them. But you know they weren't, okay. they weren't able to by that point. Okay, I was about to say, come on. Uh, no, nobody else died in that accident. Uh, well, that's good. I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Number 11. An Irish woman died in 2008 after voluntarily having sex with a dog. Oh! The exact cause of the death is unclear, although it's speculated that an allergic reaction to dogs might have been the cause. Oh, that is so gross and 
fucked up. Oh, so yeah. The 43-year-old mother of four met a man named Sean McDonald in a bestiality chat room. They then made arrangements to meet him at his home where he forced his German shepherd to have sex with her. Uh. She suffered an allergic reaction, presumably from the dog semen, and later died in the hospital. Autopsy reports indicate that she died of aphanalaxis, a severe allergic reaction uh, like those caused by peanut allergies. Oh, my God. Anaphylactic so- uh, shock. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. And, you know, it, the topper to that one, you know, the thing that really pointed, stuck out to me was this, this it's lady. It's a dog. Well, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, that's all terrible. Yeah. But this lady was a mother of four children. Yeah. What's she doing out running around banging puppy dogs? Yeah. Yeah. I feel bad for the dog. Yeah, me too. Number Poor 12. Puppy. The London beer flood was an accident at Horseshoe Brewery, uh, London, in October se- on October 17, 1814. It took place when one of the 22-foot-tall wooden vats of fermenting porter burst. The pressure of the escaping liquid dislodged the valve of another vessel and destroyed several large barrels. Uh carrying between 128,000 and 323,000 imperial gallons, which is anywhere between 154 to 388,000 U.S. gallons. So people drowned of beer. Yes. Um, what a way to go. <laughs> excuse me. The, uh, the resulting wave of porter destroyed the back wall of the brewery and swept into an area of slum dwellings known as the uh, St. Giles Rookery, eight, eight people were killed. Five of them were mourners at a wake being held by an Irish family for a two-year-old boy. Oh, God. The coroner's, in, uh, the coroner's inquest returned a verdict that the eight had lost their lives casually, accidentally, and by misfortune. Oh, I'd say so. The uh, the brewery was nearly bankrupted by the event, and the brewery industry gradu- uh, the brewery industry gradually stopped using large wooden barrels after the uh, after this incident. Wow, insane! And, and finally, number thirteen. Number thirteen, the Great Molasses Flood. Okay. Also known as the Boston Molasses Disaster, or this is my favorite, the Boston Molassacre. <laughs> That's good. I love it. That is good. Uh, occurred on January 15th, 1919, in the North End neighborhood of Boston, Massachusetts. A large storage tank filled with 2.3 million U.S. gallons, weighing approximately 12,000 tons. Of molasses burst, and the <sighs> result, the resultant wave of molasses rushed through the streets at an estimated thirty-five miles per hour. Holy shit! Which is about fifty-six uh, kilometers per hour, killing twenty-one people and injuring a hundred and fifty. Molasses—that's that sticky, real thick, sticky oh, goo. Oh god! Yeah. 
The event entered local folklore, and residents claimed for decades afterwards that the area still smelled of molasses on hot summer days. I bet it did. I bet it did. That'd be a terrible way to go. God, I know. Very strange, but terrible. A giant wave. Of molasses. Of hot, sticky molasses. Moving at 35 miles per hour. That would be horrible. Just destroying everything in its path. Oh, yeah. Not only, like, a lot of people probably got burned, too, because it's hot. And... Talk talk about a sticky situation. <laughs> but um bump I love it. Well, that's, well, all, that's all I got. Yep. That was, uh, that was a pretty cool first episode, I'd uh, say. We didn't do too bad, I don't think. No, not at all. And we hope that you guys enjoyed listening to my story of the Marrakesh serial killer and Fred's 13 strange, and I would have to agree, very strange ways to die. Very strange (laughs) ways to die. Well, we'll be back next week. Yes. We'll have some new stories. New stories. Maybe a new list. Maybe a new list, yeah. But we look forward to uh, you guys tuning in again. Yeah, so make sure you hit the subscribe button and uh, leave us a comment. Tell us what you think about some of these weird deaths. Yeah. Uh, tell us what you think about that Marrakesh serial killer. Did he get the justice that, that he deserved or should it have gone on a little longer? I'm curious yeah. to know what you think. Yep, definitely. And uh, 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 the uh, the reviews, if you want to go over to the iTunes reviews mm-hmm. and drop us a, drop us a review there and... Uh, we just might, if, if it's a good one, we just might read it. I don't know. Yeah, definitely. We'll Sounds see. good to me. Okay. All right. Well, until then, I'm Fred. I'm Adrian. And we're, we're FNA. FNA. We'll see ya. See ya, guys. Tomatoes and bricks.